Biographical Bites from Bala, Laurel Hill West Stories number 20, from mid-May 2023. Charles Benjamin Dudley, Helping the World Work Better Through Standardization. episode of Biographical Bites from Bala, Laurel Hill West Stories. Laurel Hill West is an historic and active cemetery in Bala Kinwood, Pennsylvania. I am Joe Lex, retired professor of emergency medicine from Temple University, volunteer tour guide, and volunteer podcaster. Laurel Hill West opened in 1869. It's across the river from its sister cemetery, Laurel Hill East, in Philadelphia. It's more than twice as big as Laurel Hill East. It has a totally different feel and a strikingly different population. And like Laurel Hill East, it is open 365 days a year, now from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. There's plenty of parking at the business office just off Belmont Avenue or at the conservatory in Bell Tower. If you enter from Belmont, follow the road past the second gate with the white line in the middle. It'll take you right to a big parking lot. Another possibility, just duck in while you're walking the Kenwood Trail. If you use public transportation, your best bet is to take the R6 to Maniunk or one of the several buses to the Wissahickon Transportation Center on Ridge Avenue. Then you can cross the Pencoid Pedestrian Bridge and walk up Riders Ferry Road to the entrance across from the Pet Cemetery. This 20th episode of Biographical Bites from Ballet is from mid-May 2023. Charles Benjamin Dudley changed the world we live in when he helped establish the American Society for Testing and Materials. Prior to his work as a chemist with the Pennsylvania Railroad, there was no standardization for the composition of railroad tracks, which led to derailments, deaths, and loss of cargo. Dudley convinced the world that science, combined with ingenuity, is what all industries needed. Since its founding, ASTM has established more than 12,000 standards across hundreds of companies in dozens of countries. Fellow Laurel Hill tour guide Rich Wilhelm will tell Dudley's story and explain why he is the right man to tell that story. Charles Benjamin Dudley, Helping Our World Work Better Through Standardization. 
Thanks to Joe Lex for giving me the opportunity to write and record a story for All Bones Considered. I am going to be talking about Charles Benjamin Dudley, 14 July 1842 to 21 December 1909. Dudley is buried in River Section, Lot 940, Laurel Hill West. Dudley was the founder of the American Society for Testing Materials, eventually known as the American Society for Testing and Materials, and now known as ASTM International. ASTM International is celebrating its 125th anniversary in 2023. As one of Joe's fellow Laurel Hill tour guides, my interest in Charles Dudley is certainly historical, but there are other factors at play here for me as well. For the last 33 years, I have worked at ASTM International, where I am the news editor in the communications department. ASTM is also where I met my future wife, Donna, one week into my original job there, back in 1990. So my interest in and gratitude toward Charles Dudley is historical, professional, and personal. ASTM International currently administers the development of more than 13,000 voluntary consensus standards that are used throughout the world. As I will note later, these standards now encompass a wide variety of industries. But it all began with Charles Dudley and the quest to produce better, safer steel rails for the rapidly expanding railroad industry of the mid to late 19th century. To understand the importance of Charles Dudley, it is important to know a bit about standards and standardization. Of course, we all have personal standards, standards for the places we eat or the people we date. But what exactly are the kind of standards that Charles Dudley was concerned with? ASTM recently launched a new podcast called Standards Impact. In the debut episode, ASTM International President Kathy Morgan explained what a standard is. A standard is an agreed-upon approach, an agreed-upon set of requirements, an agreed-upon process, or way of doing a certain task. And by agreed-upon, I mean you bring together all of the interest groups that have expertise in that particular material, that particular process, that particular practice. You bring them together. You work through a process that encourages technical discussion, that resolves technical debate, and you reach an agreed-upon content that is a standard. In addressing the importance of standards, Morgan noted that standards are conduits between buyers and sellers. Standards provide entrance to marketplaces so that global trade can happen, and they ensure the safety and reliability of products. Standards ensure expectations are met and can promote consumer confidence. In short, standards help our world work better. Charles Dudley was a crucial driver of standardization in the United States and ultimately throughout the world. Edgar Marburg wrote a biographical sketch about Charles Dudley after Dudley's death in 1909. Marburg was also an early member of ASTM and served as its first secretary. Marburg's essay is the primary source for this story. I won't, of course, read Marburg's sketch verbatim, but here is the opening paragraph to set the scene. 
Charles Benjamin Dudley, son of Daniel and Miranda Bemis Dudley, was born at Oxford, Chenango County, New York, July 14, 1842. He was descended on both sides from sturdy New England stock, his father being a native of New Hampshire and his mother of Connecticut. In the trend of the Western movement of that period, his parents had come to join the host of New England settlers in New York State. Dudley's parents were staunch Methodists, so Dudley grew up in that faith. Later in his life, Dudley had a memorial window installed in honor of his parents at the Oxford Methodist Church. This would not be the only monument Dudley would help install. Dudley's love of learning pronounced itself early in his life. Marburg notes, quote, to attend the meeting of a literary society to which he belonged, he was wont to trudge a mile and a half from his home to the village. On one occasion, remembered by his family to this day, he braved a fierce blizzard on his homeward trip, despite the protestations of his friends, for fear that his sick mother might worry over his absence overnight. He managed to reach his home, though in a thoroughly exhausted state. Over and over again, people described Dudley as being an amiable and positive man, and this positivity began early in life. In fact, Marburg noted that a Dudley penned essay from his childhood, titled The Ethics of Smiling, still survived. Young Charles described The Ethics of Smiling as a short treatise on how, where, and when to do it, the varieties, causes, and effects, and such moral reflections as may arise in the mind therefrom. Because I know we all love a good treatise, I will quote the young Charles Dudley a bit more. Smiling is an art. By practice, the painter approaches perfection, or the musician improves his talent. By practice and observation, a smile may become a powerful agent in the hands, or rather the mouths, of many. While the young and smiling Charles Dudley was looking forward to advancing his education, the tumultuous events of the times set him on a different path. Rather than enrolling in college, at age 20, Dudley enlisted in Company A, 114th Regiment of the New York Volunteers to fight for the Union in the Civil War. The 114th was initially sent to New Orleans, Louisiana. Being a soldier did not deter Charles Dudley from his education. Mark Randall, a Civil War historian who has done research on the regiment, says that there is evidence that Dudley had school books sent to him from home and would often use his free time while encamped to study Latin. Randall also uncovered a small but fascinating story that sheds light on Dudley's everyday life as a Civil War soldier. In his diary, Edward Breed, the lieutenant of the company, wrote on January 4, 1864, while in Franklin, Louisiana, played a game of whist with Charles Dudley for the cigars and beat him. Apparently, Breed rarely lost at whist, keeping him in a steady supply of his fellow soldiers' cigars. The 114th was engaged in several campaigns throughout the war. However, the most pivotal moment during the war for the regiment and for Charles Dudley happened on September 19, 1864. According to Marburg, at the Battle of Opequan Creek, 
near Winchester, Virginia, known as the First Battle of Winchester. The regiment led that battalion of the 1st Brigade, suffering terrible carnage, but doggedly continuing its advance until its ammunition was exhausted. The 114th Regiment suffered serious losses at Winchester. Lieutenant Breed was killed, and Dudley, by then a corporal, was so severely injured that surgeons initially considered amputating his leg. Dudley's leg was saved, but he spent the next six months in hospitals and suffered from effects of the wound for the rest of his life. Much later, in 1897, the New York State Legislature provided funding for a monument honoring the 114th Regiment to be erected at the National Cemetery in Winchester, Virginia. Dudley served on the committee charged with the selection and erection of the monument, which was dedicated on October 19, 1898. The monument's inscription reads, Erected by the State of New York in honor of her sons of the 114th Regiment, New York Voluntary Infantry, a tribute to their devotion to duty, their unfaltering courage, and glorious sacrifices. Tested on many fields, their valor was most conspicuously shown in holding advanced defensive lines in the Battle of Winchester, Virginia, September 19, 1864, with a loss, killed and wounded, of 188 of the 315 engaged, and resisting flank attacks, and joining in the final victories in the Battle of Cedar Creek, Virginia, October 19, 1864, with a loss of 127 of the 250 engaged. Time crowns their memories with undying honor. Charles Dudley was honorably mustered out of the Army on 8 June 1865. Following his Civil War experience, Dudley, then 25 years old, began to pursue his long-sought education at Yale. More mature in years and in experience of life than his fellows, Marburg wrote, they held him in affectionate regard as Pater, a name which clung to him throughout life. Marburg's biography is filled with comments solicited from Dudley's long-ago Yale classmates, attesting to his friendly nature, maturity, and kindness, among many other attributes. Dudley graduated from Yale in 1871 with a Bachelor of Arts degree. In the fall of 1872, he became a graduate student, again at Yale, specializing in chemistry, all the while working as the night editor of the New Haven Palladium newspaper. In 1874, Dudley was awarded a Doctor of Philosophy, and his graduating thesis on lithium and a glass made with lithium was published in full abstract in the Proceedings of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Dudley was 32 years old. While he spent some post-college time teaching, it was on November 10, 1875, that Charles Dudley began what was to become his life's work as a chemist for the Pennsylvania Railroad. Side note, this is another connection I have with Charles Dudley. My grandfather was a Pennsylvania Railroad worker. To talk about the Pennsylvania Railroad for a few minutes. The Pennsylvania Railroad was founded in 1846, four years after Dudley was born. By the time Dudley came on board, 
The Pennsylvania Railroad was one of the largest companies of any kind in the United States, if not the world. Early railroad tracks were made with composite wooden and strap iron tracks. In 1845, the Montour Iron Works introduced iron rails, which were a tremendous improvement, though flaws in these rails began to surface after about 20 years. Meanwhile, steel rails were being developed in England in the mid-1850s. The Pennsylvania Railroad ordered an experimental lot of 150 steel rails in 1864, the first in the United States. The railroad was running trains over 70,000 tons of steel rails by the mid-1870s, but there were still serious questions about the safety and economic viability of steel rails as Dudley assumed his position at the railroad. It would be up to Charles Dudley to ensure that steel would continue to be the most viable option for the tracks that the Pennsylvania Railroad was building at an ever-rapid pace. Dudley recognized early in his career that finding ways to standardize steel rails for safety and economic purposes was going to be a crucial part of his job. Dudley had two immediate tasks when he joined the Pennsylvania Railroad. He first had to organize a department of chemistry with little or no precedence to follow, and then he had to prove the practical value of the chemistry department as a permanent feature. Dudley's work would prove definitively that yes, a chemistry department ought to be an integral part of a large railroad organization. And of course, the implications of his work would stretch far beyond the steel rails industry. Marburg wrote that Dudley faced four problems in his early days running the new chemistry department for the Pennsylvania Railroad. Number one, ascertaining what material was best for a given purpose. Number two, preparing specifications under which such material might be purchased in the widest markets under the conditions of free competition, but with the certainty of getting what was needed. Number three, devising the best methods and the most efficient organization for carrying on routine or acceptance tests on an extensive scale. Number four, conducting independent research and keeping in touch with the latest scientific and practical developments in a vast field with a view of profiting by whatever might be safely used to secure increased efficiency or reduced cost. Marburg concluded that Dudley was up to these tasks. Quote, the successful discharge of these responsibilities demanded not only great scientific knowledge and ability, but tact, sound judgment, and high moral courage. The possession of these qualities in a truly superlative degree enabled Dr. Dudley to win and hold the complete confidence not only of his associates in all branches of the service, but that of the manufacturers as well, without whose support and cooperation impaired usefulness, if not outright failure, would have inevitably resulted. Charles Dudley attracted attention throughout the industrial world with the first investigation he launched as a chemist for the Pennsylvania Railroad. Dudley conducted tests on 25 examples of steel rails in varying degrees of wear after being in actual service, the rails were ranked on a range from good to very bad. Dudley's investigation appeared to indicate that mild steel made for a more effective rail than harder steel, which led Dudley to recommend a formula 
for the chemical composition of steel rails for use by the Pennsylvania Railroad. Completed within two years of his arrival at the railroad, the chemical composition and physical properties of steel rails was published with a supplementary paper titled, Does the Wearing Power of Steel Rails Increase with the Hardness of the Steel? The purpose of these papers was to determine what was causing the varying lifespan of different steel rails and to find a means of ensuring a better and more uniform quality of material. Some leading steelmakers pushed back on Dudley's conclusions on the grounds that his experimental basis was inadequate, that his findings failed to agree with the experiences and observations of others, and that it would increase the cost of manufacture. Despite these reservations, his investigations prompted important conversations and further testing that would eventually lead to ongoing modifications to the original formulas. Dudley's pioneering efforts to establish standards for steel rails were acknowledged by industry leaders, including W.R. Jones of the Carnegie Steelworks. Though he disagreed with some of Dudley's findings, Jones noted, a word in regard to Dr. Dudley's formula of phosphorus units. Before he proposed this formula, how many of those who condemned it as being egregiously wrong had any idea whatever of the relations of carbon, silicon, and manganese to phosphorus? Although the doctor may be wrong, and I believe he is only partially correct, yet he was the first to endeavor to establish a formula of this kind, and is therefore entitled to the thanks of steelmakers. For although it may not be correct, it is much nearer the mark than what others have simply guessed at, and the direct results of his investigations have been to stimulate investigations by others and throw much light on a dark subject. In short, Charles Dudley's early investigations into steel rails had jump-started the development of industrial standardization in the United States and ultimately throughout the world. As my colleague J.P. Irvin noted in a recent article on the 125th anniversary of ASTM that was published in ASTM's magazine, Standardization News, Dudley's rail study sent a shockwave through the industry. Over the next two decades, he learned that serious issues plagued manufacturing. Business-to-business -business sales typically relied on ad hoc rather than general specifications. A lack of consistency frequently led to bitter conflicts between producers and purchasers, with both parties feeling swindled by inevitable variances in costs or quality of materials. Throughout his Pennsylvania Railroad career, Dudley continued to publish the results of his studies under such titles as The Wearing Capacity of Steel Rails and The Wear of Metal as Influenced by Its Chemical and Physical Properties. Dudley's work would ultimately lead him to gather together others who believed in the importance of discussing quality and methods in industry. On June 16, 1898, this group of 70 people came together to define the needs and scope of the American section of the International Association for Testing and Materials, IATM, which was dominated by European interests. Ultimately, though, this American section would vote to leave the IATM and become its own entity, originally called the American Society for Testing Materials, in 1902. 
Dudley served as president of the organization from 1902 to 1908. Charles Dudley had settled in Altoona, Pennsylvania, home of my own ancestors. He married late in life. He was 64 when he wed Mary Virginia Crawford, who was 38. The April 18, 1906 edition of the Philadelphia Inquirer noted, Dateline, Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, April 17th. One of the most fashionable of the early spring weddings was that this afternoon at Mount Pleasant, the country home of John Yoakum Crawford, Bryn Mawr, where his sister, Miss Mary Virginia Crawford, became the bride of Mr. Charles Benjamin Dudley of Altoona. The ceremony was performed by Reverend Francis Moore of the Presbyterian Church of Middletown, Delaware. Mr. and Mrs. Dudley left Bryn Mawr on their way to Europe and will spend the next three months in travel. Mr. Dudley, who was graduated from Yale in 1871, is the chief chemist of the Pennsylvania Railroad. Dudley's life with Mary did not last long, as he died after a short illness at the age of 67 in Altoona, Pennsylvania, on 21 December 1909. His Altoona Mirror obituary, headlined Dr. C.B. Dudley Called by Death, noted, Not only will the death of this learned scientist be keenly felt in this his hometown, but in this and other countries, for he was held in highest esteem and profoundest respect in the scientific world. The mirror further elaborated on Dudley's passing. Throughout his illness and unto death, Dr. Dudley displayed the same gentle spirit that characterized his entire life, and from the first he resignedly awaited the coming of the inevitable, and the flight of the soul was so peaceful as to be scarcely discernible to the sorrowing relatives and friends gathered around his deathbed. Charles Dudley was brought back to the Philadelphia area and buried in Laurel Hill West. Dudley's stone is inscribed with the Latin phrase esse quam videre, which means to be rather than to seem. To serve the present age my calling to fulfill is also written on the stone. Dudley's wife Mary survived him for 31 years and died in 1941 at 72. The Altoona Mirror briefly noted that she died of a heart attack at her summer home along the St. Lawrence River near Quebec, Canada. Mrs. Dudley, the newspaper noted, whose home was at Bryn Mawr, was a graduate of Bryn Mawr College and was active in alumni activities and club affairs. Mary was buried with Charles at Laurel Hill West. Members of Mary's family are buried close to her and Dudley at Laurel Hill West. These include her brother John Yoakum Crawford, Jr., at whose home she and Dudley were married, and a nephew, John Yoakum Randolph Crawford, who became known as a champion bridge player. As for Charles Dudley, there are undoubtedly many members of the organization he founded buried at Laurel Hill West and Laurel Hill East. While tracking down a Friends of Dudley list among the thousands of people interred at either of the cemeteries, would be a daunting task. It is worth noting one that is certainly there. Tinius Olson, 7 December 1845 to 20 October 1932. Olson, born in Norway, invented a machine for testing the tensile strength of boilerplates. He went on to form the Tinius Olson Testing Machine Company, 
and was among the earliest members of the American Society of Testing Materials. Olson is interred in the Woodlawns section, lot 182 at Laurel Hill West, with his wife Charlotte and their son Thorsten, who became vice president and treasurer of his father's company and who was also a member of ASTM. Tributes to Dudley flowed in following his passing. Many were collected in a special technical publication titled The Life and Life Work of Charles Benjamin Dudley, Ph.D., which the American Society for Testing Materials published shortly after Dudley's death. Edgar Marburg's Dudley biography and many of Dudley's own speeches were also included in the volume, which can now be downloaded and read at www.archive.com. Among the memorials was a sonnet written by Dr. Harvey Washington Wiley, 18 October 1844 to 30 June 1930. Wiley, buried in Arlington National Cemetery, has his own intriguing life story. He was a pioneering consumer activist who served as the chief chemist in what is currently the Department of Agriculture. One of Wiley's crowning achievements was being the primary writer of the Pure Food and Drugs Act, signed into law by Theodore Roosevelt on 30 June 1906. Wiley is also notable for hiring Mary Ingle Pennington, 8 October 1872 to 27 December 1952, as a bacteriological chemist at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, where she developed standards for the safe processing of chickens for human consumption. Pennington's interest in the process of transporting and stirring perishable food led to her becoming a pioneer in the development of refrigerated transport and home refrigeration. In addition, Mary Engel Pennington invented the egg carton. Pennington is buried in Section G, Lot 266, Laurel Hill East. Despite these illustrious accomplishments, for our purposes, Harvey Wiley is the poet who wrote these lines about Charles Dudley. Sonnet in Memory of Charles Benjamin Dudley by Harvey W. Wiley Well have you done the labors of a life, of service for your country and for God, whether the paths of flaming fields you trod, in battle for the nation rent with strife, where cannons thunder, smother, drum, and fife, or following the plow across the sod, or tarrying where sons of science plot, a fount of cheer for comrade, friend, and wife, the ripple of your laugh, the clear sweet light of those dear eyes forever closed to earth, shall glad and guide me as I near the night, now closing on my day of deeds and mirth its glowing glory waxing ever bright in the unfathomed shadows of the second birth. As for the organization Charles Dudley founded, ASTM International is now a standardization leader throughout the world. ASTM maintains more than 13,000 standards that have been developed by over 150 committees crossing the entire spectrum of industry and commerce. In recent years, Legacy ASTM committees, such as those on steel and petroleum, have been joined by committees on nanotechnology, commercial spaceflight, and additive manufacturing, among others. Charles Dudley would be amazed. Reflecting on the status of ASTM International 125 years since its founding, 
ASTM President Kathy Morgan noted in J.P. Irvin's recent Standardization News article, Like most organizations, ASTM has seen significant change. We have moved from transactional to transformative with new products, new services, new member tools, greater efficiencies, broader reach, and more. However, the principles of our standards development process remain the same. Consensus, openness, balance, due process. We welcome any standards project where there are stakeholders willing to work on it. Low cost to entry and a premium environment attracting many of the best technical experts in the world. These pillars were true in ASTM's early days and they are true today. Charles Dudley's scientific brilliance was and remains a crucial foundation of ASTM international success. But Dudley's innate ability to both inspire and connect people might just have been the secret ingredient in ASTM's original and current success. Having just attended an ASTM committee meeting myself, I think that Dudley, the young author of The Ethics of Smiling, would be pleased by the collegiality that is demonstrated by many ASTM members. Of course, there are always some healthy differences of opinion in the consensus building process of standards development, but the way members often approach the process reminds me of how a Yale classmate described Dudley decades after their school years together. He had always an encouraging word, a friendly smile, and a hearty greeting for everyone. He was an optimist, always looking on the bright side of life, making the most of everything. To be with him made one feel that life was worth living. That is a standard to which all of us can aspire. June edition of All Bones Considered, Laurel Hill Stories number 51, is about four young military officers from Philadelphia interred at Laurel Hill East and killed during encounters with Native Americans during the so-called Indian Wars of the mid and late 19th century. You will learn their stories as well as discovering the stories of the tribes that they were fighting. In Biographical Bites from Bala, Laurel Hill West Stories, episode 21 in mid-June, fellow guide Tom Keels tells about art connoisseur and world traveler Henry Plumer McElhenney, president of the Philadelphia Museum of Art 
and a man of whom Andy Warhol once said he's the only person in Philadelphia with glamour. I remind you that there are self-guided tours available for both cemeteries. For Laurel Hill East, download the app. For Laurel Hill West, you can find it with your podcasts. It's a walkthrough from the Kidwood Trail entrance to the Pencoid exit and another in the opposite direction. If you do the entire round trip, it's about two hours of stopping at stones, peeping in mausoleums, and hearing about nearly 100 people who helped make Philadelphia what it is today. As far as tours, um, if you're listening to this early, this Wednesday, May 17th at 6.30, I'm doing a Zoom virtual tour of Laurel Hill West, Sacred Spaces and Storied Places Exploration of the Famous and the Infamous. There is no charge for that. It's a pay-what-you-wish, but you need to sign up for it so you can get the link. Saturday, May 20th at 10 a.m., I am introducing another brand-new tour, also at Laurel Hill West. It's called This Sporting Life. We're going to cover a lot of ground, literally, on this one, so come prepared to walk, and your reward will be to meet members of the baseball, skiing, tennis, hockey, and college football halls of fame, plus other people who literally changed sports. Finally, May 27th at 10 a.m., I'm giving a live Laurel Hill West tour. That's an introduction to some of our more famous and infamous occupants. Tickets for all of these events and other tours are available from our website, laurelhillphl.com events. All Bones Considered and Biographical Bites from Bala are mostly researched, written, narrated, and produced by me, Joe Lex, retired professor of emergency medicine from Temple University, volunteer tour guide, and podcaster for both cemeteries. You can reach me through my email, joe at joelex.net. This episode was researched and narrated by fellow volunteer tour guide, Rich Wilhelm. I want to thank him for taking the time to do that. And the theme song, Names at Peace, is by local artist James Harrell. Maybe I will see you on a tour. Stay safe, stay well.